Hi everyone, welcome to another digital tourism show, but the first in our travel massive exclusives. In this video, we have the pleasure of speaking with Renata Fernandez, who has 18 years experience in marketing luxury brands. Renata is the owner and editor of a media trilogy, which includes the award-winning five-star magazine, Hotel News Scotland, and the recently launched Geared Life. Renata has also gained a position in the top 100 luxury publications worldwide. So if you are interested in luxury travel, this is a talk you do not want to miss. Hello, hello everyone. Just want to thank everyone as well for coming over. Um, and it's, I think it's a great um, opportunity that we have as well to share ideas and to ask questions and feel comfortable, not be afraid of asking anything. Um, spaces like that I find very, very special. Uh, places that you can just meet people that have, you know, uh, uh, the same, work in the same environment, in the same industry. Um, it's very positive. So thank Chris as well and thank the team organizing so I know it's quite a lot of work is so involved so massive thanks oh, and for inviting me as well really really cool so uh, now this is going to work this is going to do this in a sort of more of a Q&A style thing uh, and then at the end of it we'll open up the floor if anyone's got any questions as well so so I'm going to start with, uh, with my first question is um, and because some people don't sort of struggle with this one as well but is how do you differentiate uh, a luxury brand from uh, a sort of standard tour or ultra luxury or whatever that would be you know how what is the current definition of a luxury brand um, luxury has been um, we are actually in the most exciting time in history to be working with uh, hospitality and with the uh, with travel right now because luxury is becoming more and more the thing as a standard really um, we are changing now more and more towards personalization um, up to now, um, we had um, the definition of luxury was mainly quality, comfort, making sure that all boxes were ticked in terms of services, um, quality of linen, quality you know, of uh, um, uh, customer services, etc. But right now, this is the basic, really. Right now, um, all hotels and all um, travel agencies, well, they're trying to develop a standard in which this is just not enough anymore. Um, so. From now on, what we have is we have a, a, a few segments really for the luxury sector. Um, um, we have one of them is um, a philo philanthropic luxury, which is we people are now wanting to experience something more than just being in a nice hotel or being or visiting a nice place. They want to be able to leave something behind to experience something that is unusual and that will enrich their lives somehow and maybe affect the lives of people around them. Um, the other um, sector is slow luxury, as we describe it, which is time is the ultimate luxury right now. We are all rushing around in social media and you know, the digital age is just so, so fast that we need to take time for ourselves and to just completely disconnect. So um, the luxury sector is going more towards giving people the time they need to, to for me, like me time, for wellness, for... Uh, a space between a place from place to place, a sp small sp spaces within hotels and within um, venues as well, to just completely relax and to just uh, not be concerned about the outside world. Uh, disconnecting, completely disconnecting from social media and from the internet is another thing that people are trying to focus on now as well. 
because we have so little opportunity to do that now. We are constantly plugged. Um, so there are a few hotels that actually ask you, when you come in from now on, you cannot bring your phone or you have to remove you know, all your devices and just be yourself. After four hours, you can have it again, um, giving people <laughs> that, that time to literally recharge. I find it super important, really. And I think that we need to embrace that more and more. We are losing the, the human touch, really, and we are losing the, capa the, uh, the capacity to just wait and you know, absorb and process information because of the speed of the information that's out there. So the hospitality industry and the, the travel industry is embracing that fully, realizing that um, uh, the paper and the, the, the reason why we are there is more just providing hotels and rooms. <coughs> Sorry, I've got a bad voice. And um, a place to stay, but also um, an opportunity to have a better lifestyle and to improve your health and to, be, to feel better, really. And the last one, which is something that everyone knows about and talks about regularly, is experiential luxury, which is you are out and about to experience the world really in a different way that you don't usually do. You're exposed to activities and experiences that you wouldn't want normally to have on a day-to-day. -day. Um, almost like a portal to a different reality, um, different culture, a different um, atmosphere, different people, different languages, etc. So this uh, segment of luxury has been quite strong and will remain strong as um, the, the thing to focus as well from now on. Um, well, but that's something that we advise hotels to really fully embrace. And you can see that with Airbnb as well, they are investing in activities and events. Um, so yeah, that's, um, that's one of the topics, most important topics there. Well, you mentioned the personalization, the, the experience, and that sort of leads into my, my second question in terms of, no, people are generally now are spe speaking. They are looking for more of an experience and more of the personalisation side of thing, as you mentioned. But is, is the brand and the status still much of a, an aspect of that? No, people do people still buy into a brand rather than the actual experience themselves? Because that well, it's, that's an interesting question as well. And you know, we have to remember that we are a world composed of many, many different cultures. So that will change slightly depending on the culture you are dealing with. Um, the, for example, the Chinese market will uh, really value brands. They have a, a connection with brands much stronger than the um, yeah, sort of European market and Western market. So um, it's for the Chinese market, that was massively important to have a, the experience of a recognized brand or a link with a brand or something that they can take a bit of heritage back home. That's why they love the UK as well. They come here so often because there is a history here and a heritage that they can't really, uh, they can, you know, they are really passionate about. So that is one thing, considering the demographics and who you are targeting, which changes slightly. But uh, as a whole, globally speaking, I mean, we are, we, status used to be having things, and now status is being, really. It's who you are, who you, what you believe in, what you want to be, uh, what you strive for, what your goals as a person, as a human being. Um, I mean, we can use an example. Facebook has, you know, giving 99% of their um, uh, shares to good causes, the owners of Zuckerberg. So it's like um, the new luxury is actually not how much you have, but how much you can give away, how much you can actually give to others and help others. Um, so that's another thing to consider as well. It's not about bling. It's not about making people feel that they have all these things around them, but what is it that they can have around them that is affecting and you know, influencing the community and the area around them and in any way or themselves as well. So, yeah. 
that a few interesting uh, things to mention is that um, we are all now buying coffee brands and coffee brands according to the source, um, you know, the community where they come from. Uh, we are paying a lot more attention to origin of things. Diamonds, you know, where they are coming from, what, what is, is the crude involved in, on produce, production of fashion? We are choosing our brands depending on what they uh, believe in. So the company beliefs are massively important as well. Um, and, and that's something that uh, every single luxury brand currently is wor working on and focused on, on creating this um, unique ethos that people can relate with and um, strive for, really, as a sort of better community, better people, you know, better, uh, something better to believe in, and better, uh, really, future for everyone, really. So, um, one interesting case that is as well um, is um, Belvedere Vodka. He's just been giving um, um, funding for sustainable innovation. So it's the first uh, EU funding given to them because they've been uh, um, focusing so heavily in uh, sustainability, which is again um, uh, currently for all luxury global luxury brands a focus that they have uh, becoming more and more sustainable really in the way they, they work. No, I couldn't agree more on it. Even when you look at brands like you know, Apple, for example, they don't sell a product. If you ever look at any of their ads, they're not selling a product. It's all about the lifestyle and what you can do with it totally. and that type of thing. So I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Um, is there any examples or, or, or processes in, uh, with luxury hotels um, that you can give that create a better experience um, for the customers and making them VIP guests? Is, is there any examples you can share with, with them? Well, I mean, there are like 18 years of accumulated experience on visiting places and I've noticed a massive difference between the last two to three years. Uh, personalization levels are becoming really, really, really deep to the point that I had um, a Hilton Hotel sending a, a, a form before arrival asking um, what, are the, what music I like, um, what sort of um, scent I prefer, the magazines. And when I arrived at the hotel, the music was playing. You know, favorite music, favorite band, the magazines that I love were there, my snacks, favorite snacks were there. Um, so it's more than just providing what we believe the customer will love as a sort of luxury product, but finding out about the customer and knowing what they will like the most. Because what we like sometimes other people don't. So finding a way to make sure that you provide that to your customer, hotels and everything else. Um, is very important now. So that's one of the examples. Um, there are a few extreme cases as well. Of um, um, there's a hotel in the Middle East where, where the people will, the, the staff will only look after other staff that will have the same religion, for example. So if someone with a burqa comes in, another uh, a member of staff who understands like they're from the same religion will come and look after them, make them feel comfortable or we'll only deal with the lady and not with the man if it's a couple. So it's a cultural awareness that you would not usually expect to find, but you're finding more and more. And I think it's really important, just like the translation business, that it's a translation factor really important within offline, really, on actual hotels experiences in general. You need to understand the customer you're dealing with and the guest. Um, and if you have someone who speaks their language and who will take the extra step and extra mile to provide them something they feel really comfortable and welcome, then that's what the hotels are doing now. Uh, but the personalization level for hotels, I think, is really a, a fantastic example. Um, and the same for 
um, some of the luxury brands out there now, they, um, you, you come in and you, if you just type your name um, on, at the store, you get you know, a few offers and things. They will come to you with the offers that they know that you want and all personalized. You know, the online and offline experience fully personalized beforehand as well as during the experience. Um, now, within the whole, there's been over the past couple of years specifically, there's been lots of turmoil within or the accommodation within tours and activities and that thing with different people buying different things, you know, like TripAdvisor, all that sort of stuff, you know, and Booking.com buying you know, various booking softwares and things. Now, we've got Airbnb now making moves in the luxury market with the Airbnb Plus and they offer like wedding venues, all that sort of thing. Do you think that's going to have a, a huge impact on the luxury travel market? Do you think that's do you think they are going to eventually, what they're, what they're doing with hotels, going to take over that market as well? Do you think? Do well, you the impact is already big. I mean, the hotels are having to be really quick in changing the way they operate, really, to accommodate that. Um, but one of the main things that we, can, we cannot forget, and something I advise all hotels we work with as well, is that um, the human factor is, and the experience that we provide the hotels is based on skill um, and experience. We are professional. Um, you know, we are a body, really. We, we are literally professional. So when it comes to Airbnb experiences, they can provide the comfort and the luxury environment and the items, but they will not provide, for example, um, a sommelier with 20 years of experience in wine or, um, um, you know, the, the type of uh, multilingual front desk staff that you would uh, find at some of the best uh, five-star hotels out there. So um, the, although the market is there, for Airbnb luxury, that does not um, affecting so much the, the luxury sector for hotels because we are more and more investing in training, really. And the training is becoming more important than ever, really. So that's for how we're going to differentiate ourselves is by um, sharing information, sharing knowledge that we have, the staff have, the, the, the people working um, in on the grounds as well, I mean, all the, the tour operators, etc. How much can they share more than just the house in the perfect environment where they can stay overnight at some Airbnb location. Airbnb is already doing its own activities, etc., and trying to do that and sort of get people that are specialists on certain subjects to run tours, etc. But that is not working all that well because there is no consistency. The one thing you can expect from hotels and from um, the, you know the travel agents as well, for sure, the best ones is consistency. You you know that you're gonna get the best quality and you, they've been in the industry for so long, they know a lot more than a lot of uh, specialists out there. And they're there on a daily basis, really doing that work um, every day. So yes, it's to be very much aware. Uh, we recommend hotels to be fully aware of the situation uh, and to invest more and more on staff, on training, on making sure that they differentiate themselves to the regular luxury accommodation by provision of service. And um, that means everything that service entails, um, not just uh, uh, you know, accommodation, etc., but um, all the activities, all the experiences they can have beyond the hotel, creating a whole, full, wholesome package, really, for them to experience. I think that's Excellent. it. Yeah, it was just uh, on, on, on Airbnb, actually. One of the things I actually found, I was, I was at a rival in Las Vegas a, a couple of months back, and was one of the things that somebody said was it was uh, Airbnb is only meant to be when they're doing the sort of activity side of things is only meant to be sort of freelancers or locals and that type exactly. of thing. But what it actually was is someone went on a tour and actually found it was actually was not meant to be allowed, but it was an actual company who'd actually put themselves on Airbnb. And when they went there, it was just a massive sort of bus tour company, for example, that was on, on. And it was just like yeah, they don't seem to 
curate who's coming on to exactly. Airbnb in terms of experiences or their accommodation. So it's like that part of it's failing, and that's where um, the luxury market will can sort of. Totally, yeah, I, I agree as well. And um, also, there is a, there is an interesting online uh, an article from the Business Insider uh, saying that uh, millenn millennials in Singapore they splurge at hotels, but they choose accommodation uh, regularly, like just everyday stuff for Airbnb. Well, they go for Airbnb if they're not business travel, etc. But they save their money, their money to to spend on refined and unique experiences they can only find in hotels. So that's really important, I find, you know, the, uh, the fact that, great, they can't stay anywhere, but if you focus on having amazing service and something amazing to offer in your, in your venue, uh, or whatever you do, whatever segment you are working within hospitality, within tourism, then uh, that's where they will be saving their money and spending on, really. Um, so that's the most important part. The other important thing as well is how local. I mean, people are choosing more and more to experience local things. So um, the hotels are embracing their local culture, their local food, their local produce, their local everything, their local history, heritage, design. Design is massively important. The more you embrace your local artists, you know, and your local um, producer in general for, for a whole experience, the better it is, really. And the, and the more you can um, be a step ahead in terms of uh, Airbnb as well, because they might have some, but uh, you can invest so much, so much more and more heavily if you have a venue or a hotel. Do you think that's sort of one of the most, uh, sort of most important changes that's happened over the last few years within luxury travel? Or do you, is there anything else you can you think has it's been really important? In terms uh, of the, one of the most important things I think is sustain, being sustainable. Really, um, we are trying to more and more be green um, and to have a less impact in the environment, um, and that is throughout the entire luxury sector. Really, it's not only tourism; it's um, our fashion brands, it's uh, car brands, etc. Uh, that is the main focus, really. Uh, but one being being greener, but sustainability involves more than just uh, you know the ecosystem around you. It involves the the community around you, how much you are pro you know you're giving back, and how much you are um, helping your community to grow. So um, the the future now from now on is a much nicer future in terms for the I mean for the travel um, industry really as a whole. It's a much more wholesome and more human, humanized um, industry, which um, I think is really positive. So that's why I'm super excited about it right now. I think we, are, we, we can only see positive things develop from now on. You know, we, we, we've done a lot of mistakes in the past as well. We, we've wasted a lot in terms of electricity, gas, everything really. We've just made a mess. And now we are really having to be so careful because people are choosing to only be or work with brands or hotels, venues, etc. We will have an, a nicer ethos about the way they work, really nicer principles, etc. So that, to me, that is the main, the most important part in terms yeah, like of change. Yeah, that's a lot driven by society as well. People are, are a bit more conscious in that side of things. Exactly, like, yeah. exactly. Um, so, is there any uh, sort of regions you think you say that's it's, um, got most potential for investment within luxury travel? Or is there anything that's up and coming that you think? Well, the last couple of two to three years, I would say again, because um, it's now, I mean, it's so fast, really. The speed in which things are changing is really, really fast. I would say two to three years is Australia, Asia, and Middle East are the top uh, places where about 80% of all investment in hotels and developments is going to. So these regions are, I mean, for any developer or anyone wanking, wanting to actually, you know, make sure that they develop their career and go, take it to the next, next level, I would totally recommend those, those regions. 
they, um, it's way beyond just buildings, developments of buildings. It's actually the way in which they invest um, their, you know, in nurturing their staff and training again is much, much heavier than what we are doing here in Europe. Um, they have a, they have a bit one step ahead. Um, so these are the regions where um, I can see a massive boom really within the next maybe a year or so more and more people um, investing heavily. I mean, it's already 80%, so it's really high. Um, so yeah, I would, that, these are the, the regions would focus most. Excellent. Yeah, Asia's obviously one of, um, uh, it comes to mind, but I've never thought Australia, that's, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah, so. yeah, Australia, New Zealand, um, yeah. Asia for sure. China has a massive, mm -hmm. a booming really yeah. industry right now, but in terms of development as well, business, real estate, massive. Mm -hmm. What they are doing so in China, which is quite interesting, is that they are uniting the hotel experience with uh, real estate, so you can stay in a hotel. They also have houses, or sorry, well, apartments where you can actually buy, and you can turn their, the, you know, the, your apartment into one of the hotel rooms. So when you are away, you, you make money from it, but when you are there, great, you enjoy it yourself. Um, that is a trend, actually, that's develop, being developed now in the US as well, in Canada. More and more, the kind of the fine line between real estate for tourism, hospitality, and real estate for domestic market. Um, um, that is really cool as well. And the fact that so many hotels are focusing on creating more than one experience, for example, the lodge experience, the self-catering experience, as well as the full-on resort experience, um, shows as well how they're trying to open up the market to all different um, tastes and, you know, uh, demands and trying to compete with Airbnb and the likes of um, Airbnb out there that will be at some point soon taking over again. Um, so um, yeah, this, this, these are really cool, exciting, uh, exciting developments as well, I find. So uh, that leads me on to my last question, what's the future of luxury travel? Well, the future, I think that's one of the most exciting things to think about because we can imagine anything really. But one thing we can know for sure is that uh, the way in which we travel on a day-to-day basis, day -to -day basis to work, etc., which is uh, our cars, transport, is changing, really. So the way we travel with our cars, uh, which is going slowly towards um, electric and autonomous, we will slowly you know, invade the world of hospitality and tourism as it is already. I mean, you can, in Las Vegas, now get room service, which is a machine that comes in to your, I know, your, your uh, uh, room and that's it, you open up and you get your thing and it goes away. Um, it's already happening, but I think artificial, artificial intelligence will be the main thing really that will change everything because once they realize who you are and you come through a hotel, they will know that if you are stressed by checking your blood pressure, by uh, you know that you are, you know, you, are, you have diabetes, you are gluten intolerant, uh, you can't be close to peanuts, um, you prefer this or that. You have all in your system by just looking at your iris. Uh, so as soon as you come in, the whole staff, everyone is prepared to serve you personalized service before even doing any research really. So they're on the screen, you know. Um, and that can be, be done automatically. So you come into the room and the light changes, the scent changes depending on how you feel. If you're stressed, you know, it's a bit of a lighter light or if you're energetic and stuff in parting and stuff then it changes according to how you what what your behavior is so the future I think is very much linked with technology it's to do with automation but also how much are we gonna need human interaction how 
you know, how much can we cope with just technology and how we, are we going to balance that? Um, you know, the use of being, being always self-sufficient and checking in. I mean, I just came back from Ireland and literally I got a pod, um, an autonomous pod from Terminal 5 at um, Heathrow that took me to the terminal. Got in there, I checked in my bags, checked in the, everything. No, there was no person there. And you go into the airport, the, the airplane, and that's you flown without one single person speaking to you. You know, that's already happening now, and it's every day. So, how is it going to be later? And did I miss the human experience? Of course. You know, it would be great to speak to someone or comment on the day or say, had a horrible traffic there or whatever. You know, just say something. So, um, yeah, the future will be very much finding uh, common ground between how much do you want to communicate with other people and how much you want to be invisible as well, because sometimes you just want to be invisible. A lot of people are choosing going to locations where they cannot be found and it can be completely um, you know, remote. We are getting to a point now that the cities are taking over so much um, and that you know, the kind of urbanization is taking over so much that real estate, the premium real estate eventually will become the private talents and the, you know, the small little remote places where no one can get to and they will be so rare. So, Right now, there's a lot of investment going in places that are remote, making sure they are safe, because there's not going to be that many out there eventually. They're all going to be occupied, and they're going to be fully, you know, with buildings and hotels and resorts and full systems going on there. So the places that are empty will be the most precious places we have. So all this we have to keep in mind, you know, how much do you want to invest and how much do you want to um, protect? Because the more investment you give, uh, you do, or you, you know, you do on your own business, especially hotels in general, the more you affect your environment, the more you affect, the more you change your structure. So how much, how much of that do you want? It's a very cool uh, idea. Yeah, and that's, that's the thing about, you, know, you mentioned the autonomous vehicles, people think that's like 15, 20 years away. It's, no, it's, it's within no. the next five years, yeah. so it's coming. Um, well, it's already here, but it's going to be take off massively in the next five years. And, the thing about it is as well, it's people who have a lot of vehicles in their stock who maybe do like bus tours, for example, that type of thing, they have to think now about the next time they go out and buy one, buy a vehicle because that vehicle will have no, little to no sell-on value further down the line, for example, because mm -hmm. autonomous vehicles are going to be taking over. Indeed. People are going to be doing tours in autonomous vehicles with get the, the guide within the car as you're driving about. So this is all happening. It's going to be within the next five years. It's going to be massive. So yeah. it's, it's not, the future's not that far away. And the other thing is, is literally our health, you know, wellness in general. I think the future will be more and more focused on how well can we be, you know, how, how stressed. We are already quite stressed people as a whole. Um, I mean, we are all um, really so busy right now. So the, the tourism industry right now is taking a step of actually being almost like it's a, it's a separate area of medicine, in a way, because you have to find space for yourself and for your health to sleep and to have silence and to have a bit of detox. Um, so all these things are, 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 yeah, are hugely important. Um, for anyone working within the tourism sector, I would say keeping an eye on the health of your customers and how they are feeling, it's like paramount, absolutely paramount from now on. It's everything is an emotional experience. All traveling is an, an emotional experience. And your, how you feel that day, or that period of time in which they are sharing you know, their, their life with you is so important and, and a big part of this is how their health is. If you can improve their health as you are traveling with them, fabulous. If you can teach them as, you, as they are traveling with you, 
They can take something home that is beyond just a nice sleep, you know, a nice, you know, a memory of a nice dish, but it's actually something that, that they learned and that they can pass on to other people and they can teach their children and they can encourage other people to experience as well. That is lasting. That is very, you know, and that, is, uh, that has the power of change as well as a society. We can, we can have this effect. So, uh, I mean, if any of, I don't know how many people here work in the uh, tourism industry. How many people here? Just raise your hand. Everyone. You guys have like such a massive responsibility, such a massive responsibility to just make people feel better. That's it. To make people enjoy their lives better and to be nicer people as well. You know, it's not, it's not just about getting their money and doing their thing. It's, uh, it's about actually, as a community, we are all trying to strive to a better thing. So, let's see, I hope it inspired you. <laughs> Does anyone have any questions for Renata? Camilo? Yeah, I would like to ask you, I work with whiskey, specifically whiskey tours. My tours are usually yeah, like walking whiskey tours, but I do have a, <coughs> sorry, I do have a luxury whiskey tour, but I give my customers like fancy whiskey although it's not the most expensive whiskey that you can get in town, right? It's about, yeah, like 18 year old whiskey more or less, so it's about like maybe 15 pounds per shot or whatever. So it's expensive, but it's not crazy expensive. Mm -hmm. I haven't had so far lots of customers for that luxury whiskey tour. So I'm struggling to understand what I'm doing wrong or how should I offer this tour? Because, well, definitely I can get crazy expensive whiskey, you know, like 900 pounds per shot. So that would be like maybe more appealing for a luxury a customer. Maybe my luxury offer is not luxury enough for them. Or, or maybe it's because it's a walking tour, so they don't really want to walk. Maybe they want a, a fancy car to go from one place to the other. Is that, or, or what should I do better to try to get? A that market? That's a really good question and essentially quite interesting that I am able to answer to you because I, I, I was involved in the um, training of the staff at Diageo uh, in Scotland on their distilleries, making sure that the distilleries can provide a level of luxury service and five-star service to, to anyone coming to Scotland, which we didn't really have and we are still developing. Um, the, the whiskey industry is so behind in terms of customer service right now in Scotland. And what, what, um, after a lot of talk with a lot, all the staff, the entire Diageo staff, all the distilleries really involved, we realized that it's experience. It's all about the experience. So to target that market, you, you need more than just the product itself. They need to smell, they need to touch, they need to, uh, the, the, the sensorial experience for luxury is super important. So I, as well as telling them about the source, etc., I think the process of creation of whiskey or maybe having the, the casks there so that they can see or different, uh, you know, the process of development so they can smell different types of um, whiskey as it gets developed, um, as well as the actual bottles, how they are made, why are they made that way, and you know, how was the process of development of the bottle. The more in-depth knowledge they have, the, the, the better you get that target market. That, the, the luxury market goes for uniqueness, something that they can relate with and it, that, that is a story behind. It's not about the, the, the car that's going to take them from A to B. It's about what is, the, is so special that I will treasure this. 
And what is special even about whiskey is how it's made, isn't it? There's the time they've taken, the skill involved, um, and the sensorial experience that you have, the taste, the smell, the visual experience, um, and the whole context, the background, you know, that it, it's involved in that. So I would try to adapt my tours for, for that, uh, making sure it's completely um, sensorial, totally sensorial. It's making sure it's, you know, eyes, smell, ear, everything. You can get the entire thing. Even the, the sound, really, it sounds amazing. You know, when you actually put in the whisk in the cask and everything has a, has a sensorial touch to it. The Lumpy Market is all about that. It's all about the experience itself. It's not so much the product itself, because the product is the, re the, the result, really, of this. That's how it go for. <laughs> Any other questions? Yes. In terms of, in terms of, sorry, in terms of the incoming, uh, incoming luxury market, I mean, we're talking about a fairly narrow niche, are we not, at this stage? It's something that's developing, clearly, but how, how, how big is it? In, in relation to, to the overall market? Well, the luxury market? Yeah. Oh, the luxury market is actually significant. It's about 30% of the market, yeah. Right? It is, it is significant. Um, and um, the, the most expenditure comes from the luxury market as well. So although you have more people visiting the mid-range hotels, for example, you get more people spending at uh, luxury hotels. So the balance is actually, you know, it's quite significant. And people are coming more and more to Scotland for this. They are coming for the uniqueness. And Scotland is so unique in terms of character, history, etc. I mean, environment, scenery. Um, but it's um, we are losing touch of this. We, we need to focus more and more into um, in providing actually the experience, the Scottish full-on Scottish experience, including the um, you know the skills involved in developing everything we do here. Uh, from fabrics to, I mean, any product we do, gin, etc., uh, whiskey. Um, it's uh, that is what people come to here for, really, to experience that. And it's um, a, a, the, the luxury and uniqueness go together, very much so. So the more unique you make a product, or the, or the more unique you make your tour, uh, in terms of uh, you know uh, how to experience this, the more important it is as well. So it is, it is significant, very, very significant indeed. And it's actually. I mean, in comparison with Ireland and in England, for example, Scotland is doing amazingly well with the luxury market, really, really well, much better. Even in terms of training, um, it's, it's a lot, the quality is a lot better too. So it's to be proud, actually, it's to be really proud and to keep pushing. <laughs> Justine, you had a question? So I'm sorry if my question is too busy, but I'm thinking, you know, me, when I'm trying to book a hotel uh, for my holiday, I will book on online, like I will look for an hotel that you know, has like the things I'm looking for, but for a luxury, like customer who's looking for a real, you know, a special experience, what's the first touch point of, um, like the, the channel that person will use? Is it, is it online, like most of us, or is it still word of mouth or a printed brochure? How, like, you know, because they're so specific, how do you reach them? This is, again, changes completely. There is not one single answer because of the demographics. So depending on who you are dealing with, they, you work differently. But for the ultra luxury market, they will usually, it's word of mouth and it's a small word. So they tell friends, friends tell friends, and they all know each other. But also they work with certain agents. Um, and one uh, amazing company that does really well, um, this segment really well is Virtuoso. They, so 
uh, ultra uh, luxury travelers and ultra luxury travelers tend to go for virtuals because they know they're the top, top travel agents out there all over the world. They can find someone who will know the best about everywhere, really, within that region. But again, for um, the millennials, they will tend to go always online, really just searching uh, and literally trying to find their own answers that way. Um, for millennials that are US-based, that tends to be the case. For millennials that are like uh, Australasia and Asia, that changes slightly as well. They, take, they tend to take advice uh, from uh, agents as well. So the, the, the importance of the tour operator and the agent for the luxury market is really, really important. You know, it's, uh, it's still very strong, very strong. They can't rely solely on um, Google search. They, uh, they need someone backing them up. That, that is definitely good. Yeah. The trust element is for the luxury market, especially the ultra luxury, which is, you know, kind of exclusive use of um, properties, 20,000 pounds a day type of places. Uh, in helicopters, experiences, etc., supercars, etc., then they will want someone that will recommend or have experienced before. Um, so the, the, there are very few that are at the top, and they tend to be always kind of it's a small world, and they're always there at the top helping each other. Um, so that it's also an interesting question for the people wanting to promote themselves online. This, if you can create a, um, a, a sort of a relationship with the agents that are already dealing with that market. And these agents are actually from different locations as well. They're, they're the Chinese agents, the US agents, etc. They're they all focusing on their own markets. That's very important, you know, or have a, some sort of agreement in which they can work together. Uh, you can work together with them and things like that. So I hope it helps. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, what you said about um, people giving away their phones at some, it's interesting so much because actually, and it got me thinking, just as you were speaking about social media and how it relates to luxury, because I just see it everywhere. I see people, everyone wants that to be, everyone wants to present their personal brand as kind of VIP. Mm. You know, not uh, in the designer brands, the clothes they wear, the cars they buy. And I, I wonder what, what your opinions were about social media and the way, if that's selling a lot of luxury travel in a way as well, because actually people want to declare it to everyone. The way everyone shows, the best version of their life on Instagram and on Facebook. So obviously, you know, luxury in general across everything is growing and it's less exclusive based on price point. A lot of people are actually breaking the bank and being almost, you know, buying beyond their means for to to, to and a part of it is prestige. And I wonder how you feel social media factors into the luxury market travel. No, one interesting and very important fact I can mention now is that uh, Burberry, uh, the, the luxury brand, they spend 60% of their marketing budget in social media alone. That's like massive. All luxury brands are spending between 40 to 50% of their marketing budget in social media, understanding that this is the case indeed. People want to show off that they have something that is special, that's expensive, but uh, for the tourism sector, because of the, the side that you're, it's not only about showing you off, it's about experiencing. Because if you just go somewhere and take lots of pictures and don't experience, great, your friends are gonna think you had a brilliant time, but you're not gonna have the best memories, are you? So for the, for the luxury sector within tourism, I would recommend that it has to be uh, uh, kind of controlled every now and then find ways that they can remove from, from um, digital um, you know, possibilities, really. 
including spice experiences and things like that, so that they can relax a little bit more. But uh, it's, it's essential. It's absolutely essential for the luxury market. And it is so much so that they're investing heavily um, on social media. There is no way you can escape. Um, and that, I mean, anyone that is not trying to invest on this is, is missing out. But the one thing I can say as well is that, for example, luxury uh, watches, what they are doing to, to make sure they remain exclusive is, although their social media is really, really intense, they only work with certain shops. You know, there, there, there is limited availability where they can be found. So for the luxury sector, what you, the way to, for them to remain exclusive is who, where they are available. It's at their own websites as well as very selected you know, partners and uh, uh, outlets. It's not everyone, because if it's everywhere, then it becomes a bit uh, average, isn't it? So we have to select and make it quite um, unique, really, and not, not that easy. Um, the, the, the link between exclusivity and luxury is very important. You have to remain somewhat exclusive in, in terms of how you, achieve, how you get it, really. So, um, yeah, yeah, you have to balance. <laughs> but did I answer the question? Yeah, 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 was yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Any more questions? Glasgow wants to attract more of the, the leisure uh, luxury market. What's it missing? What ingredients is it missing to? Glasgow is an interesting thing because uh, I mean I've I've been I've been I've loved Glasgow all my life. I've chosen Glasgow as my home, really, in Scotland, above every other city and uh, town in Scotland. I'm very passionate about it, but. Um, it, we've never succeeded, for example, with Michelin star restaurants. We've had so many times we've tried, and hotels have invested heavily in having restaurants that would provide the service, and we just, we just can't. They don't survive. And I think it's because it's actually a cultural thing. I think uh, the people in Glasgow are a lot more relaxed, they're a lot more friendly, they're a lot more less, you know, kind of showing off, and they're just good people and not wanting to <laughs> really, literally, I really do think that. Uh, there are some areas where, um, I would even mention London, where it works a lot better because the factor of showing offness goes well, but in Glasgow it doesn't. Here you look at it and you go, that's, that's a bit of a stupid thing, isn't it? It's like, why would you spend that much? You know, on something like that. If you can just go there, you know, that other one, which is really so good, and you know, you don't have to spend that much. So it really is a cultural thing. And I think the way to attract more um, uh, people to, to Glasgow and even more spenders to Glasgow is to totally embrace this because that's the unique thing about Glasgow. You know, it's so down to earth. It's, it's a, such a vibrant city that it's got, you know, so much going for it. Um, uh, and people will come and spend for the love of being here. Not so much so to show off, but to actually just be here. That's what I think. So less on the stars and more on the... On the, the quality, absolutely. And also the, the, the idea of stars is changing, even Michelin restaurants, etc. is becoming a bit of a, a curse, really, in, in some ways. There are chefs out there that are just turning down Michelin stars, you know, there are hotels that are preferring not to, to go from four to five so that they can remain within a certain level um, for taxes, even everything else, and not to have so much pressure. So the, the change now is Experience, again, it's not about what you think is going to be. No, five stars is not as important as four. If you have just the same level and quality of experience. Um, yeah, it's totally to be embraced. Totally to be embraced. I wouldn't, I would never, I would find that it would be a real shame if someday Glasgow tried to be like London. 
you know? It's just not. It's just not. Well, Anyone else? Anyone else got any questions? No. I thought that talk was fascinating. Thank you so much. The <laughs> Scottish Cheers. luxury is booming. You heard it yep. there. So yep. Everybody, I'd say a warm welcome to... Totally, thank you. <laughs>